Well, someone once said there are 365 fear nots in the Bible, one for every day. On leap year, take rejoice evermore, uh, and, and zero in on that one. So whenever we hear about fear, we, we've suffered so much from it, and we've had so much sorrow in our life by it, uh, that we're reluctant to ever think that there'd be a kind of fear that's good. I mean, we don't want to fear anymore. And, and, but uh, there is a kind of fear in the Scriptures that we're not only exhorted to have, but commanded to have. And because we have been so hurt by fear in our personal life, perhaps we don't want to hear about the fear of the Lord. But uh, all other fears in our life that are harmful to us arise from an unworthy concept of God that we have. Every fear in our life arises from, from some unbiblical idea. And, uh, but, the, but the fear of the Lord will chase all those fears away and put them worshiping at the feet of Jesus. Uh, harmful fears arise from unworthy concepts of who God is. Healthy fear that God wants us to have and commands us to have uh, comes from a right view of God's character. And that comes through a revelation of Scripture that's soaked into us and we have a supreme desire for His favor and His daily presence and intensity of purpose in our life. So in a, it's a sense of the presence and the person of God in our life at that moment that is called the fear of the Lord. It fills the heart with awe. It fills the heart with respect. There even comes a trembling sometimes because God's reality is so great. If we're, if we're full of fear, it says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. When his fear comes, all other fear goes. The fear of man will go if we fear God. The fear of death will come if we will we'll, we'll leave if we fear God. Now, over 300 times in the Bible, the term, the fear of the Lord is connected directly with something about the majesty of God, the majesty and the holiness of God. And so it's when we, when we sense His presence and His holiness, the fear of the Lord becomes present. But when we lose that fear of the Lord, His majesty and His awe do not grip us. And we throw the words around about God is awesome or God is majestic, and, uh, and our view of Him becomes lower, and we lose that sense of astonishment. You know what I'm talking about. The kind of astonishment after like the centurion saw the earthquake and he said, surely this man was the son of God and great fear came upon all. The kind of fear when the shepherds were in the field at night and the angels whoom, filled the sky and it says, and they were sore afraid. It was because God's reality invaded their space that they had him neatly in. And suddenly they realized that God is God and man is man and, uh, and, and they had to get down before him. You see, a great flood of evil will come upon us when we don't have the fear of the Lord. This is not just for lost people. This is for believers. There's a verse in Romans, chapter 3, verse 18. Don't turn there because you'll have lots of others to turn to. But in Romans 3, 18, after a long list of evils, when the Lord says there's none that seeks after God, no, not one, there's none that understands, their mouths are full of cursing and there's lying and there's murder, and the end result of all, the reason for all of that is 3.18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. You see, when there's no fear of God in a life, then what happens is there's no anchor. William Newell, a great old saint, defined the fear of the Lord this way. To fear the Lord is to have such a due sense of His majesty and holiness 
and justice and goodness of God as to make one fearful of offending him. It is a deep respect where we stand in awe of him. Write this scripture down. Psalm 33, verse 8, speaking about what God wants for the whole world to do. Psalm 33, verse 8, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Did you know that the fear of the Lord is mentioned more in the Bible than the love of God? And that there around the throne, those who know him best fear him most, not in the slavish negative sense, but in that awesome sense. In fact, over and over in the scriptures, it equates the fear of the Lord with a sense of being overwhelmed and awestruck by what God is showing you about himself. It is a paralyzing, overwhelming revelation of God that becomes a disposition. It becomes an attitude of the mind of a person who is aware that he is always in the presence of God. And that awareness causes that person to weigh every word, every thought, every action, and it's lived in respect of God's presence. And we don't want to grieve that presence. Now, there's definitions of the fear of the Lord in Scripture, and now you can start writing down Scriptures. First of all, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Someone prayed for wisdom this morning. Psalm 111. Listen to what it says about the fear of the Lord. It says in verse 10, Psalm 111, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that practice it. It's what it means. The people that practice the fear of the Lord are at the beginning point of wisdom. It says the same thing about the fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom in Proverbs 9.10. It says it uh, at least three times in the Bible that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is what Solomon prayed for. Remember? In the Hebrew, though, it says listening heart. Solomon was offered anything by God, and he says, give me wisdom. And he said, a listening heart. And the Lord said, because you haven't asked for treasures or riches or other things, I will give you what you ask, a listening heart. I'll also give you treasures and wisdom. Because, see, Solomon knew that the fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom, was that means through which everything else comes. It's the beginning of wisdom. But it's not only the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1, verse 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You'll never know anything truly until you see it in the light of God's presence. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So God gives me a revelation of himself, and it's meant to produce a certain response. But not only the beginning of wisdom and knowledge, but the fear of the Lord is the instruction, it says, of wisdom. Proverbs 15, verse 33. Listen to this. It says, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom before honor is humility. So the fear of the Lord is that great humility that comes to our hearts. We realize that God is God and man is man. And we ought to be before him in quietness, as the other brother read this morning, and uh, to be instructed. Job said it this way, chapter 28, verse 28. The fear of the Lord is wisdom. That is wisdom. And uh, to depart from evil is understanding. Job said that. Uh, 
Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I want you to see this. It's right after uh, Proverbs, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. It's not only the beginning of wisdom and the instruction of understanding and the way we're to walk in, but look at the last verse in Ecclesiastes written by the man who had tried it all and knew it all. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. You can sum it up in that one phrase, to fear the Lord. For God will bring every work into judgment. It will stand in his presence with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So we need to see it in perspective. From eternal God's standpoint, the thing he wants in my life is a deep astonishment and reverence and being overwhelmed at the grace and glory and majesty and holiness of who he is so deeply that it affects me in words and in thoughts and his presence is riveted to my mind and heart so that I cannot depart from that motive and disposition of life. What a treasure the fear of the Lord is. In fact, that's what it says in Isaiah chapter 33. It says that the fear of the Lord is his treasure. Listen to Isaiah 33, verse 6. Wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of your times and strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. To fear the Lord is the greatest of riches. To know him in that way is a treasure. Uh, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. Oh, it says it so distinctly. And sometimes we hear it uh, only in this perspective. But it says, Proverbs 8, 13, it says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, and the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Now, to hate evil not just because of what it's cost us, not just because of the pain we've all had because of trouble or sin, there are four motives to depart from evil that we could have. Four motives. The first one, even a lost person could have. The first one to depart from evil is that I fear consequence. I'd love to just murder that person, but I don't because I might go to jail. Or I'd like to have that, but I can't steal it because I might get caught. You see, it's a fear of consequence. I'd love to sleep with that person, but I can't because the church might find out. See, there's a fear of consequence, and it's, it's not a worthy motive. It's, it's sometimes a powerful motive, but it's a, it's a lost person's motive that can have that. That's the first one. Second motive for departing from evil might be that I'm just not that kind of person. I, I wasn't raised like that. So, so I don't do all those things because <clears throat> I'm better than that. It's, it's kind of a self-righteousness or a pride that I don't do that. And, and it's, a, it's a humanistic motive and it's, it's a self-centered motive and, and it'll always give out in the long run and God will make sure it gives out to show you that all your righteousness and my righteousness are filthy rags. So there's a fear of consequence is the first one. There's a self-righteous pride, a second. But a third motive is possible for a Christian. I love the Lord. I'm grateful to Him. Therefore, I love him the most, and I will not do this thing over here that's sin, even though I love it. Even though I love it. I won't do this. And we're like a muzzled dog walking around. 
I won't do this thing. I would love to do this. And you see, it's always restraint and holding back. That's the third motive, and it's, it's better than staying in that sin. But the last motive is the fear of the Lord. And that is when we hate that evil because we've come to know God, and we agree with Him in our hearts. We've been brought to singleness of mind, and what He loves, I love. What He hates, I hate. And, and I don't do it no matter who's looking. I don't do the things that are inconsistent with the presence of holy, majestic God. That's the motive he wants. That's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. It's to come into that agreement. Have you done that? The things in your life that have had you in bondage, have you really let God bring you to the place where you not only don't participate in those things, but you hate those things from the heart and you, you loathe them? You see, it says in Proverbs 14, 27, that the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord is like a fountain of living waters in your heart that gives life to all the desert of our life and causes you to depart from the devil's snares because nobody does what they hate. They just don't do it. I mean, nobody will watch something they hate. Nobody will participate in something they hate. They'll only do that when they lose the sense of the fear of the Lord and the love that they sense for God and this other love that's been dormant takes over. Do you follow that? So we've got to have the fear of the Lord in these areas of our life. Psalm 19, it talks about the fear of the Lord. That famous psalm about the, the Word of God. It says in Psalm 19, in verse 7, listen to this. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Then it sums it up. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The fear of the Lord has a cleansing effect in our life. And when we have the fear of the Lord, we are departing from evil. We are in awe. We walk in a disposition that is pleasing to Him. Look at Psalm 34. Most of what I'm going to say is going to be just the Word of God. I'm going to give you a good amount of Scripture because I want you to be staggered like I have been at the incredible emphasis that God places upon the fear of the Lord. I don't think I've ever heard but one or two messages on it in 20 years. But I don't think there's a thing that God wants to produce in this church or any other more than a sense that's genuine and deep of the fear of the Lord. Look at Psalm 34, verse 9. God says, Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints, for there is no lack, there is no want, there's nothing missing in the lives of those who fear Him. So every lack we have in our Christian life is due to not laying hold fully of the fear of the Lord, according to this verse. And Psalm 34, verse 11, God says, Come, you children, meaning His, hearken to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. God wants to teach us the fear of the Lord. Not only is it, it's not just an option for us to say, I want to come. It is a command from God. Now turn back to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. People say, that's Old Testament. Let me tell you, Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy more than any other book He ever quoted from. He quoted from many, many uh, Old Testament books, but the one he picked to zero in on was the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 6, verse 13. The command, it says. Deuteronomy 6, 13. The command of God. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve Him and swear by His name. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. Listen to this. 
And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul. Verse 17, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great and a mighty and a terrible, which regards not persons. He doesn't prefer people. He doesn't take bribes. He executes the judgment for the fatherless and the widow. And he says in verse 21, he says, He is thy praise, he is thy God, that you have done for you these great and terrible things which your eyes have seen. Verse 20, you shall fear the Lord your God. Him shall you serve. The number one priority for the people of God was to fear him. You know, I'm thinking of the Lord Jesus himself who quoted from this book, he walked in the fear of God. Did you know that? The prophet said of the Lord Jesus in Isaiah chapter 11, he prophesies about our Lord Jesus. Isaiah 11:2. it says, And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, and the spirit of counsel and might, and the spirit of the knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him quick in the understanding of the fear of the Lord. In Hebrews 5, 7, it talks about the prayer life of the Lord Jesus. And it says about how he was heard. It says in Hebrews 5, 7, listen to this. It says, who in the days of his flesh, the Lord Jesus, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears to him that was able to save him from death, he was heard in that he feared. Our Lord Jesus walked in the astonishment of his Father. And that seems amazing to me if you think about it. I mean, Jesus Christ, our pattern, our example, walked in the fear of the Lord. It's no wonder then that in Deuteronomy 5, which I hope you're still in, verse 29, the Lord says to his people, Deuteronomy 5, 29, Oh, that there were such a heart in them that they would fear me. And keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. You want to bless your family? Then let the Lord bring the fear of the Lord right home, even in a new way today. In fact, we're commanded in Proverbs 23, verse 17. Listen to this command. Proverbs 23, verse 17. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day. Walk in the awareness of his majestic presence because he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. We, we've come to where we say, ooh, this is an awesome television show. I've been saying that. I told my children not long ago, we need to save that word for God. And so I forgot and said, oh, this is awesome. They said, awesome is for God, Dad. Don't use that word. I love it because it's true. God is an awesome God. We've emptied out. What else can you say about him more than that? We, we, last Sunday, I had this thought, and two other people told me, we were saying how awesome God is, and, and there was something that seemed to be not even ringing true about all of it. I'm just saying this because if we really believed the things we were saying, we would all be flat on our face in the biblical sense. We would be out before him, just laying down before God and fearing him. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2.17, fear God, fear God, walk before him in fear. It's an amazing thing. This was the attitude in the early church. They walked in the fear of the Lord. Look at Acts chapter 2. I want you to see this. The early church, the reason they had such power, the reason they saw such glorious things happen, 
It says in Acts 2.41, right on the day of Pentecost, they saw the greatness of God. And it says in 2.41, then they that gladly received His word were baptized. The same day there were added to them 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in praying. And fear came upon every soul. Fear. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. I'll tell you, if there's not a sense of astonishment and awe, when you see miracles, miracles happen, it's not of God. When God does something, it produces a stunning astonishment in those that see it happen because they know God is who He says He is. Look over at Acts chapter 9, and you'll see what the church walked in. in verse 31. Acts chapter 9. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and they were edified. Isn't that what we want here? It says they were walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. They were multiplied. As you walk in the fear of the Lord, the Holy Ghost will comfort you in this matchless mercy of God that we have, this so great a God that walks with us. Let me tell you, God expects fear from every Christian. It's something He expects. That's another point. God expects fear. Look at First Chronicles. First Chronicles chapter 16, and you'll see how God expects the fear of the Lord. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 25. Listen to this. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols. That means less than God is, a man-made God. The Lord made the heavens. Glory and honor are in His presence. Strength and gladness are in His place. Give to the Lord, kindreds of the earth. Give to the Lord. It means give honor, give fear, give reverence, give astonishment to Him. Psalm 76 I'm, I'm sure by now you're getting tired of turning, but I want you just to write these down because I believe that the Word of God will not come and not bear fruit. Psalm 76, verse 11. It says this, Vow and pay to the Lord your God. Let all that be around about Him bring presents unto Him that ought to be feared. He ought to be feared. Our God ought to be feared. Psalm 96 Psalm 96, verse 4. Listen to what it says. Uh, Psalm 96, verse 4. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Verse 9, Psalm 96. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before Him all the earth. All the earth. But you see, the, con the condemnation of this world is there is no fear of God before their eyes. They do not know His presence. They do not know His person. They do not know His purpose. And therefore, every evil river runs through the heart of man. It's not just in the New Testament times either because there's coming a day when the angel will open the heavens, Revelation chapter 14, and he will speak to the world. It says, Revelation 14, 6, listen to this. Listen to this. This is right after the Lamb is seen on Mount Zion with all the hosts following Him, pure ones. And verse 6, I saw another angel, Revelation 14, 6, fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to them that dwell on the earth. Here's the gospel. And to every nation and kind and tongue and people, He said with a loud voice, what did He say? Fear God. 
Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. You see, God considers it evil not to fear him. Did you know that? He considers it an evil thing for his people to let this attitude, this disposition slip. Someone read this morning about the church of Laodicea who said, we're rich, we're increased with goods, we have need of nothing. God was blessing them on a certain level. They didn't realize that Jesus was outside the middle of the fellowship and he's out there knocking saying, put me back in the middle. God said, I love you, I'm rebuking you. They didn't realize that church had become just church and that it wasn't centered around the person and the majesty and the glory of God anymore. And God considers that an evil thing. He says to Sardis, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. He says to, Revel he says to Ephesus, you've left your first love. You've tested all those that say they're apostles and they're not, and you can't stand people who don't really speak the word, but you've left your first love. The intensity of devotion to a person. Look at Jeremiah chapter 2, or just listen to Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 19. He says to his own people, Thine own wickedness will correct you. Your backslidings will reprove you. Know therefore and see it's an evil thing and a bitter that you have forsaken the Lord your God and that my fear is not in you, says the Lord God of hosts. God says it's an evil thing and it's a bitter thing when the fear is not in you. Well, what motivation is there? Heading. What motivation is there to fear the Lord? Revelation 15, 4. The song of Moses and of the Lamb. His holiness, his holiness is a motive to fear him. God says he wants us to fear him because he is holy. Listen to Revelation chapter 15, verse 3 and 4. Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. We sing that here. Just and true are all your ways, King of the saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all the nations shall come and worship before you because your judgments, your, your judgments have been revealed. Let me tell you, it's after people see who God is, they worship him and, and fear him. Jonah said, I'm a prophet of the Lord and I fear him while he's running away from God. He was not living in the fear of God. He was a prophet in name. He had preached in the fear of the Lord, but he was departed from the fear of the Lord and leaving that, that intensity. And he said to people glibly on the ship, Running away, I'm a prophet of the Lord. And they kind of went, oh, really? And then this storm came, and they picked up Jonah. Jonah said, throw me out. And they're about to perish, and they throw Jonah out. They throw everything out, nothing happens. They throw Jonah out, and it's totally calm. But that got their attention. It says in 2, chapter 2 of Jonah, then all the men on the ship feared God exceedingly. And they began to go... I mean, whatever you want to do, you know. You, you, you see people get in trouble and they beat their chest to death, you know. They see some major work of God happen and suddenly they're just, oh God, oh God, because they have the fear of the Lord that comes upon them. That's what God wants us to live in every second of your life. Be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. The wonderful holiness of God is a motive to fear Him. But not only His holiness is a motive, but the wonderful works of God. Exodus 14, 31, after they'd come out of the Red Sea and they looked back and they saw all their enemies destroyed, it says, and Israel saw the great work that the Lord did on the Egyptians and all the people feared the Lord. They saw that. 
And they loved it. And they feared God. They gave him what he wanted, which is everything. They gave it to him. They feared the Lord. It's like, it's like when the disciples had been with Jesus for so long and they were so impressed and they loved him in their own way. But suddenly he said to the storm, be still. And it got quiet. And it says, then they, great fear came upon them because God peeked up the veil behind the universe and they saw the invisible and they said, my God, who's in this body? It's God. And they feared him. Like Peter, when his mother-in-law was healed from a fever, it really got to him. He, his nets were full uh, of fish and he came and fell down before Jesus and said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. You see, he came to that spirit of the fear of the Lord. So the wonderful works that God has done in your life and my life are meant to produce in us the fear of the Lord. Are you with me so far? I've given you a lot. We've got a whole lot more, though. Stick with me. You're never supposed to say that. You say, I'm already tired. Well, well suck it up, okay? <laughs> Let's go. I mean, I'm telling you, we don't know how to feed on the Word of God in the church in this country. We're used to TV breaks. We're used to going to get a DP or something every 15 minutes. We need to learn to concentrate. Concentration is important as consecration for the church of Jesus Christ. The goodness of God is a motive for the fear. The goodness that He showered upon you and showered upon me over these last moments that we've known Him. The last words of Samuel the prophet as he speaks after he's been rejected and they're choosing Saul and going the way of all flesh like the nations. Samuel says about fearing the Lord in 1 Samuel 12, verse 24, verse 23. He says, uh, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good way. I will teach you the right way. Here it is. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. For consider how great things he's done for you. God wants your fear. He wants your awe. He wants your astonishment. He wants to bless you. But he wants you to walk in this attitude and this disposition. But there is, a, verse 3, If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. That God could forgive me, all my sins, and my, my weaknesses, and all those warts and everything else. God has washed them away by His amazing grace that's meant to produce awe and fear. The same thing comes out in 1 Peter. I want you to see this, 1 Peter chapter 1. You look here with me. 1 Peter chapter 1, that familiar passage, but sometimes we read right over this. 1 Peter chapter 1, it says in verse 15... As, you which, as he which hath called you is holy, so you become holy, it says in the Greek, in all your matter of conversation, because it is written, become holy, for I am holy. And then it says in verse 17, and since you call on the Father, who without regard or respect of persons keeps on judging according to every man's work or life, past the time of your temporary dwelling, it means in the Greek, past the time of your temporary dwelling here on earth in fear. God's principles will never change. The God of the Old Testament is still the same God. He's just given grace. He's still holy. He still hates sin. Calvary didn't change that. So since you walk with him and he can't respect people, he couldn't even respect Moses when he forgot the fear of the Lord, but he sought to kill him. His wife saved his life in chapter 4. He came and circumcised his son. Moses thought he could bypass that word. 
And he, his wife says, you owe me, uh, in that, like the ladies do. But uh, anyway, but you see the, the greatness of God. He says, listen here, he says, walk in fear for as much as you know you weren't redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the blood of Jesus Christ. Think of how great things he's done for you and let the forgiveness of God produce the fear of God in your life. But not only that, the coming judgment that you and I will stand before the presence of God ought to make us fear Him. Colossians 3, the coming judgment should make us fear Him. Colossians 3, right after it speaks about, about letting the Word of God dwell in us richly and, and with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making uh, with grace in your heart to the Lord. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Then it talks to wives and then husbands and children and fathers and servants. Uh, and then it says, whatsoever you do, do it all heartily to the Lord and, and, and not to men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. Verse 22, servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. And then it says all these things, not with outward eye service, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. That's the motivation, to fear God and walk before Him. Now, if all those aren't motives enough, then there's the motive of the wrath of God, the anger of God. He tells His people in Deuteronomy 28, if you do not walk in my fear, then your plagues will be wonderful. I will set up something special to bring you back because I love you. He says in Psalm 2, this incredible word in Psalm 2 that the early church quotes from as, uh, as they're praying in Acts 4. He says in Psalm 2, verse 11, Serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice in His presence, trembling. Kiss the Son. That, that word is the word for worship with pure devotion. The word proskuneo in the new means to kiss toward. This is a Hebrew word, but it means to, to give all your devotion, to lavish praise and kisses. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry. And you perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Jesus said, don't fear the one that can burn your body and uh, just cast it into fire. But I tell you, rather fear him who can cast both body and soul into hell. Fear him. Jesus said that was a worthy motive. So there's motivation to fear the Lord. Without the fear of the Lord, we can't worship God. You cannot worship who you do not respect. Psalm 5, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is necessary to worship. It says, in your fear will I worship you. Now, if you are getting put to sleep by the, by the uh, sameness of my voice, I see some of your eyelids. I mean, I went to bed at 3 o'clock last night and got up early this morning because this was on my heart. And so, I mean, I'm not the least bit sleepy. Of course, I'm preaching. But if you're there and you're sleepy, ask the person beside you to dig their elbow into you if you nod off. Because I believe that the enemy would not want you to follow through with this to hear. To worship him, you cannot worship without awe, if it's real worship. You cannot worship without respect. It's, it's, a, it's a mark of the Spirit. Remember Abraham? Abraham, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and offer him on the mountain that I will show you. So he took Isaac to the top of Moriah, and there he put up the knife, and the Lord says, Abraham, Abraham, Genesis 22:12. Don't touch the lad, 22:17. Don't touch the lad. Lay not your hand, because now I know, what? That you fear God, truly. Now, before that, I mean, th this was at the end of his life. 
I mean, he'd walked with God for years. But he says, now I know that you truly fear God. Because you see, God's honor, God's desire, God's word came more precious to him than anything else. And God often will refine us to put us to that point where it is the most precious thing. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and you'll see how to serve God acceptably. How to serve God acceptably. You got indigestion yet? It says here that the shaking is coming, Hebrews 12, 28. Then it says, Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace where we may serve God acceptably with reverence and with godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Our God is who the Bible says He is, and we have grace, praise the Lord, but let's serve Him acceptably in godly fear, in reverence. Don't take Him for granted. Don't become familiar with God. We've gotten altogether too chummy with God. We act as if we're going to walk up to Him one day and slap Him on the back with our living Bible. Good to see you, Jesus. They sing songs about the man upstairs and I are tight. You know, anybody that talks that way about God does not know Him the way we're talking about I'm not saying they can't be his in a certain sense, but I'm telling you that God wants the fear of the Lord to be gripping our hearts. And if that's the case, it will be a deterrent from sin. You will not walk in the things that you used to walk in. He said to, to the people of God in Exodus 20, 20, he says, listen, his fear shall be before your eyes that you sin not. Because if you fear God, you will not sin. Psalm 4, verse 4, stand in awe before God and sin not. If you're in awe of God, it's very hard if you realize he's there to do the things that he hates. It's a vital element of repentance in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. It talks about the sorrow of the world. That's what happens when people just get sorry for what sin costs them. I'm sorry, I've had a tough life. I need relief. I need a cure. Help me, Lord Jesus. But don't bother me. Sometimes people come to the Lord. They walk an aisle like that. They sign their name to a church roll. But you see, that's the sorrow of the world many times, and it brings death. But then it says the sorrow of God brings forth a repentance not to be repented of, and it gives about seven ingredients of godly repentance and true turning to God, and one of them is fear and zeal that God puts in the heart. It's an element of repentance. You cannot fear, you cannot repent at the level God wants without a respect and a fear of God. You can't be perfected in holiness. You can't be sanctified without a fear of God. Remember that verse in, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, that talks about how that you are the temple of God and you're to come out from among them and touch no unclean thing because God has said, I will be a God to you. I will walk in them. I will be their God. They will be my children. That's the end of chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians. First verse in chapter 7, verse 1 says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved Christian, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh, that's the outer life, and spirit, that's the inner life, perfecting holiness. Can anybody finish that? In the fear of God. In the fear of God. We perfect holiness. That's what Philippians says when it says, work out your own salvation. Chapter 2, verse 12. Work out your own salvation in fear and in trembling. Why? Because it's God that's at work in you to will and do his own good pleasure. God's at work in you, so respond accordingly. If you have to fear and tremble, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, Proverbs 16, 6, by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. 
by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. It's the attitude that I let God give to me that makes a worthy response to him. And in the light of who he is and what he wants, I'm totally and radically available. That's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for me. It is a necessary quality in the fear of the Lord for any leadership of the church, for any deacon, for any elder, for any pastor, for any preacher. Listen to what God says about spiritual leadership having the fear of the Lord. In 2 Samuel, he says this so clearly, and it's just, it, it, it grips me. 2 Samuel 23, uh, it says this. 2 Samuel 23, verse 3. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me, he that rules over man must be just ruling in the fear of God. A person that has authority in the body must have the fear of the Lord. He, he, he did this in Exodus. He, he picked out people to govern. When, Jacob, uh, when, when they got those rulers of ten and then hundreds, they got men that feared God. That was the number one characteristic in that Exodus uh, chapter 18 passage. Without the fear of the Lord, you can't administer justice. It says in 2 Chronicles 19. I know you must be getting tired. Even I'm getting tired. 2 Chronicles 19 verse 6. Listen to what it says. It says, And to the judges, he says, Take heed what you do, for you judge not for men, but for the Lord, who is with you in the judgment. Therefore now, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed to do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, no respect of persons, no taking of bribes. He says, If you're going to make decisions for God, make sure that you walk in the fear of God and administer true justice. If you want fellowship as a church and you want to walk together, then that early church, Acts 2 and Acts 9, it must be that this church walks in the fear of God. And if we want to relate to one another in the upper room and the outer court, it says that we are to submit to one another, Ephesians 5, verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another, what does it say? In the fear of God. In the fear of God is such a large thing. We haven't even scratched the surface on this thing. And when we choose not to, we, we make a choice as a Christian. God is always putting his fear before us and bringing us to this point. But if we choose not to fear him, Proverbs 1.29 says this. It says here, when your fear comes upon you and your desolation, our own fears come back and grip us, then you'll call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me early, but they shall not find me because they hated knowledge. They did not choose the fear of the Lord. There is a line that men walk across they can't get back to. I mean, they can't go across. When God reproves and reproves and person hardens their heart and hardens their heart and hardens, and he says, then one day it'll come along and that's it. Have it your own way. That's one of the purest words for the wrath, the orge, the thumos of God in the Bible where God says, have it your way. He takes his hands off. He gives them up. And that can happen to anybody. It can. Even to believers who get hardened and who will not hearken to the fear of the Lord. Well, let me finish with a couple of promises. Promises if we will take this fear. If you fear the Lord, these are promises to people who fear the Lord. Listen to this promise in uh, Psalm 147, verse 11. You can bring pleasure to God. That's the first thing. The Lord takes pleasure in them that fear Him and those who hope in His mercy. You can bring pleasure to God by letting the fear of the Lord grip your heart. It will also mean fresh 
Second blessing and promise, it'll mean uh, fresh blessing and grace to your heart and life. Psalm 103, verse 11. Listen to this. For as heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. God will have mercy on the one who has this attitude toward him. Verse 13, Psalm 103. Like a father pities his children, so the Lord has pity on those who fear him. What a father relationship is forged in that fear. And verse 17, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Mary quotes that verse in Luke 1.50, talking about the, all the earth should fear him. She quotes that verse right there in her Magnificat. How great is his goodness, Lord, that you have laid up for those who fear you. Psalm 31, verse 19. He's got great goodness just waiting like in the bank for those who fear him. It brings blessing. Proverbs 28, verse 14 says, Blessed is the man. How blessed or happy is the man. Uh, Proverbs 28, it says in verse 14, it says, Happy is the man that fears always, but the one who hardens his heart will fall into mischief. The person who always is walking before God. Listen to what it says in Ecclesiastes, the contradiction of the visible. Ecclesiastes 8, 12, it says, it says There is no man that has power over the spirit. Uh, that's not right. I'll tell you what it says. It says, though a man does evil a hundred times and prolongs his days, uh, it will not be well with him. But whoever fears the Lord, it will be well with him. No matter how it looks, you may be destitute, you may be poor. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures with turmoil and with it. To fear the Lord is the greatest treasure and the greatest riches of all. You know, we, we quote that verse all the time about Proverbs 3. I mean, especially uh, uh, so many people that are looking for guidance, they say, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean in all your ways, acknowledge Him. Lean not on your own understanding, and He will direct your paths. Do you know what the next verse is? It qualifies that. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You want guidance? You want Him to direct your paths? You want wisdom? Then fear God, respond appropriately, and depart from evil. And, and quit gauging, our, we've got to quit gauging ourselves by what the other spiritual person beside me is doing. We've got to gauge ourselves by what the Word of God says to you when you pour over the Scriptures. I'll tell you, it's an amazing... Proverbs chapter 2, listen to this, verse 1. My son, if you will receive my words and hide my commandments in you so that you can incline your heart to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry after this, that's the fear of the Lord, and lift up your voice for understanding, seeking her like you would uh, money or, or silver and search for her as treasure, then, verse 5, chapter 2, Proverbs, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find true knowledge of God. If you pour over the scriptures, it's the word of God. Jesus says, sanctify the church through thy truth. Thy word is the truth. Order my steps in your word. Let no sin have dominion over me. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Over and over, the path of the just is like a shining light. It, it, it talks about walking in the word, the way of holiness. But I don't see that happening in the majority in our country. We've got it down to principles and methods and programs and action plans and all the ways, but very few are seeking, for example, to read the book of Leviticus to know God. 
They may go there for a Sunday school lesson, but when was the last time you read in the Pentateuch to know God and to fear Him and to know Him? So it, it, it brings great blessing if we fear the Lord, especially for our family. Listen to this one. It'll bless your family if you allow the fear of the Lord to come. Listen to Psalm 112, verse 1 and 2. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord and delights greatly in his commandments. His seed shall be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. God wants us to teach our children his fear, his reverence. They want, he wants them to see his fear in our life. Psalm 115, verse 13 and following. Listen to this. He will bless them that fear the Lord, both small and great. The Lord will increase you more and more, you and your children. I'll tell you, we prayed this morning for the yoke to be broken. We prayed this morning for new ways to be shown. You'll never get it by a list of things you're supposed to do. You'll never get it by one more book you're going to read about here's how to do it. The only way these things will really come is by having that prayer answered in Psalm 89, that prayer of the, uh, Psalm 86, verse 11. It says, Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. David prayed, Unite my heart. Bring together two things that were separate, your thoughts and your ways and my thoughts and my ways, and unite them in a centrality of focus and attitude in my life that knows that you're great and does wondrous things. And Lord, let me walk in a holy reverence before you. Even a lost man that doesn't know the gospel yet can fear God in a certain sense, because, like Cornelius, who daily prayed and feared God. And God, the angel was sent and says, your prayers have come up for memorial before God. I'm going to send Peter to tell you words that you can get saved by. There are plenty of people who fear God in a certain sense and say they want to know him. They are astonished by him. I've seen some lost people that respect God more than some saved people especially in the Eastern Bloc before it became the Central Europe today. It gives a strong confidence, Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord, there is a strong confidence, boldness, because we know He's everything and we know that we're nothing. If you want to understand your Bible, if you want to know what God's saying, if you want guidance, somebody said, help us to know guidance in the way. I'll tell you how to know the way. Psalm 25, verse 12. It says, for what man is the one who fears the Lord? This is the one that God will teach in the way that God has chosen. You want to know God's guidance for your life? Fear the Lord and he will teach you. Psalm 25 verse 14 says, the secret, the word is intimate counsel. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. He will show to them his covenant. Establish thy word to thy servant as that which produces reverence for thee. Psalm 119, verse 38. Establish your word in my heart, O God, because it is that which devotes me to your fear. It brings reward to us if we walk in the fear of the Lord. I'm winding down. Stick with me. Uh, in Malachi chapter 3, the Lord says that he has written a book. You want your name written in a, in a good book as well as the Lamb's Book of Life? Here's the one, Malachi 3.16. Then they that feared the Lord spoke often to one another. Psalm 119 says also, I'm a companion of those who fear you. That's who I choose to walk with. 
It says, They that feared the Lord spoke often to one another, and the Lord listened, and he heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for those who feared the Lord and that thought often upon his name. And they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day that I make up my crown. They're going to sit in my crown, the people that fear me. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, The day is coming that will burn like an oven. All the proud, all that are wicked shall be stubble. That day will come and will burn them up. It won't leave them root or branch. But unto you which fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness rise with healing in his wings. God promises for those who walk in this rare attitude of our day. If you fear him, like the whole Bible consistently says, that he will put you in his crown, he will write you in his book, he will bring reward, he will give you long life. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, it says in Proverbs 10, 27. It's a fountain of life. It prolongs your days. It'll give you long life. It'll satisfy you and protect you from evil when it comes. The angel of the Lord encamps round about those who fear him. Psalm 34, verse 7. Examples all through Scripture of those who fear him. Hezekiah was, was heard in that he feared, even though his life didn't add up uh, outside he got before God. Riches, before riches and honor are humility and the fear of the Lord. You want riches? For women, God says, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. That, that may be backwards. Beauty is vain, favor is deceitful, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised, meaning by God. And so what promises? Last, last couple of scriptures. The fear of the Lord is God's gift. Jeremiah chapter 32. Listen to this. He puts it in your heart. You want this, you say, I don't know what you're talking about here today. This is just a bunch of scriptures, and I'm not there. I'm just a baby Christian. Listen, baby Christians are the ones who have the fear of the Lord. They're in awe. We can become sophisticated and begin to move away from it because we are in control. But listen to Jeremiah 32, verse 39. God says, I will give them one heart, that's a united heart, and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and for their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, and I will not turn away from them. I will do them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts that they depart not from me. You want that to happen to you? Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. You, wanna, you want the fear of God in your heart? Then pour through the Scriptures. Give yourself to the Word of God as never before and let, let his, his, his majesty become real to you. Let me tell you, if God's majesty is remote to you, it's because you're not living in the Scriptures. You think about that. You may be living in books about the Scriptures, but if you're living in the Scriptures and letting God give you a revelation of who He is, His majesty will grip your heart day by day. So the first thing is feast in His Word and spend time with Him. But second, dwell on His greatness and His redemption that God who is God became man and showed His love and died for me that I might come to know Him in power. That'll humble you. And then meditate. It says, sanctify the Lord God in your heart and let Him be your dread and He Himself will be to you for a sanctuary. Isaiah 8, 13. He will be your dwelling place, but sanctify Him in your heart and choose companions. Not, I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of people you can walk with that are in church who don't fear God. But you choose as your real companions, the one you choose to pal with, the ones who fear God. Spend time with them and pray and ask God like David, unite my heart to fear thy name and Lord, let me be in the fear of the Lord all the day. He will give you this. Come, my children, Psalm 34, 11, and I will teach you the fear 
of the Lord. Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. That's all I have for you today. It's a wheelbarrow load. I know that. But I believe this. If you're like me, I was completely astounded. I was deeply busted up on the inside of how, how much I have let the fear of the Lord Jesus Christ slip from the pinnacle of my consciousness. I've kind of been just swept along by busyness in some areas of my life. And I've been just kind of ministerially occupied in some areas of my life. It's easy to let things come into your life and be church-oriented and family-centered instead of walking in the fear of the Lord. If our worship ever seems shallow, it's because we've lost the sense of the fear of the Lord. When we get that sense of the fear of the Lord, when we see Him do something, when we hear His voice immediately, if it's real, we'll be on our face worshiping Him. Well, I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Whatsoever you do in thought, word, or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, singleness of heart, walking in His fear. Let the words of my mouth, O Lord, and the things that my heart thinks about be acceptable in Thy sight, my precious, matchless, majestic Redeemer. Lord, may each person in this room now come before your holy grace throne. And may we take a God-given look at our own life. Have we been reluctant to fear you the way you want to be feared, the, the, the healthy, godly, all-filled, respectful way you want to be feared? Have we been afraid of that kind of fear because of the bad taste we have from all the other fears we've had all our lives? Today, in a new way, grant us grace to seek your face by the grace of God and call upon you and be delivered from all of our mannish, womanish fears and receive the fear of the Lord. And then commit ourselves to walk in the wisdom and the instruction of wisdom and in the whole duty of man, the commandment to fear the Lord. May that be our choice to choose the fear of the Lord and not just walk in forms, but in the disposition of the presence of God, changing our inner man to hate what you hate and love what you love and grow and walk in that reality. Anything less than that is less than what you want. I pray that it will grip our hearts as we leave here today. And now I just want you right where you are, just in quietness, speak to the Lord. Do you fear Him biblically? Do you walk in His fear? Is it evident to others? Or would you be like Jonah saying, I fear the Lord, while your life is full of contradictions? Would they say of you like Nehemiah, he feared the Lord? Or Joseph could say, I fear God. Would that be said of you? Do you have that treasure from the Lord? 